0: In May 2017, the family of 36-year-old Alina Kennedy realized that she had gone missing. They scoured Lexington County in South Carolina looking for their missing family member. Police got involved. The community got involved. The media got involved. Everyone had high hopes for Alina's return. Unfortunately, that wasn't meant to be. Elena, in her time of need, had attracted a predator. You're listening to Bad Axe Podcast. and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And
1: I'm your co-host, Aaron.
0: Bad Axe is brought to you by the PodMoth Media Network. PodMoth is home to a long lineup of amazing, entertaining podcasts, so check them out. There is literally something for everyone. And as a quick note, you can support Bad Axe and help us keep bringing you unique true crime cases by joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Plans start at just $1 and you get bonus content. You'll find some bonus content from prior months there already, so check it out. And we recently covered the case of Victoria Martins, whose case reminded me a lot of Grace Packer from episode 5. Like Grace, Victoria's mother confessed to allowing a boyfriend, and in this case, the boyfriend's cousin as well, rape and murder her daughter before they dismembered her. However, authorities found out the confession had to be a lie. No one is totally sure what happened to Victoria, and that case is on our Patreon if you would like to listen. There is a link to our Patreon in the show notes to make it easier for you. And now, on to our case for this week. We are going to be talking about a woman whose disappearance and brutal murder was barely covered in the media. I found a lot of articles that had the same information, but there are a lot of missing details, which is weird because her story is incredibly compelling. So to bring you more information on this case, I want to let you know upfront that I did a deep dive into Facebook to learn more about what was going on at the time she went missing. And even though I feel bad about prying into people's lives, and trust me, I pried kind of a lot.
1: You did a little Facebook stalking.
0: I really did. And I have to tell you, um, some of the family members have mostly public Facebooks. And I don't know if that's such a good idea. I felt a little bit bad because I know way too much about their lives now. (laughs) I was there for a very long time, but I did it for you guys. So I hope that it pays off and you enjoy this episode. And I also hope that it helped me do justice to this case, because I originally went to Facebook to learn more about the victim, because all of the articles about her and what happened to her didn't really capture who she was as a person. Like, what did she like to do? What did she do with her friends? What were her goals in life? None of that was really depicted. And that's why I originally went onto Facebook, was to try to figure out who is this person. But... There wasn't as much information about her as I expected, but we, I did learn some stuff. And I learned a lot of information about the case indirectly, so we're going to be talking about those details. Awesome. Today, we are going to Lexington County, South Carolina. Lexington County is actually named after the Battle of Lexington in Lexington, Massachusetts, which I thought was super interesting.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know?
0: Yeah. And the events of this case took place in the cities and towns all around Lexington County. And being honest, it seems like each thing that happens in this story occurred in a different city or town. So as I was researching it, I would get a little confused because they kept referring to different cities. And I actually ended up looking up a whole bunch of different cities around (laughs) Lexington. Because I would get to another article and say, oh, okay, this city is this city. Oh, it's this city now. Oh, it's this city now. And then I realized that it's just the crime scene kind of moved around.
1: Right, but it's all in the same place, yeah, basically. Yeah, all
0: in Lexington County, so we're going to kind of focus on that. Nice. Until around April 2017, 36-year-old Alina Kennedy lived around the city of Columbia, South Carolina. Born in Mobile, Alabama on August 15, 1980, Alina grew up in South Carolina with her parents Jenny and Ricky Kennedy, and her sisters Valerie and Ginger, and brother Randy. At the age of 36, she had four children, three sons named Blake, Bryson, and Hunter, and a daughter named Isabella, and she often called Isabella Bella. Makes sense. Alina loved being a mom and enjoyed posting pictures and updates about her children, However, she had been going through some difficult times starting in early 2017. Based on several Facebook posts, some by Elena herself, she lost custody of at least one of her children in January 2017, her youngest son, Blaine. It's unclear what happened in that case, but she references not having a lawyer and mentions plans to use her income tax refund to go back to court in an effort to regain custody so it it's definitely obvious that she was still trying to be involved in his life and fighting really hard to get back on regular terms with him.
1: Yeah, that's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, it is really sad, but it's unclear exactly what happened with that. Yeah. A family friend suggests in a separate post that she also lost her car in early 2017, so it's possible that she was having some sort of financial difficulty and that she was having trouble getting around.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like she's having some hard times.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, her oldest son, Blake, had already graduated high school in 2017, and her second oldest son, Bryson, was nearing the end of high school. So her older two kids are pretty older, which so that means they're more independent. And it's unclear who was caring for her baby daughter around this time. But it looks like she was not in her care as well because of the fact that Alina is going to go missing. Okay. And it takes a while for people to realize that she's missing. And I think if there were babies involved, then there would be, you know, they would take notice faster.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Uh, And that's why I just explained how all of her kids are doing just to let you know that she does have these four kids and she does love them a lot based on all the information that she has been posting but she's just going through this hard time and that's why what happens to her sort of is able to go unnoticed for a little bit of time there. Gotcha. As I told you before I hope that Facebook would tell you more about what Elena liked but all she ever posted about was her kids and her only likes on her Facebook memorial page are mom pages. So it really seems like her children were the main focus in her life. Yeah. So regardless of who they were staying with at the time of her disappearance, it's clear that she loved them dearly and that essentially her whole identity was just being a good mom to her kids. Maybe she was taking time to rebuild her life after some struggles. And I don't want us to focus too much on that because I feel like what's really important is that she needed support at this time of her life and not a predator preying upon her, which is what ends up happening. Yeah. So we're going to skip from April to May because that's when people start to notice that something is wrong. On around May 25th, 2017, Elena's family became concerned because they had expected her to come to a family function and she never showed up. Now, I was hoping to find out what this family function was and no articles would talk about it and it wasn't clear from Facebook either. But I do know that shortly before the 25th, they had a big Mother's Day celebration that appeared to take place on a boat. And her mom and her sisters were there, but Elena wasn't. So I wondered if the proximity to her being reported missing could mean that that was the family function. Because definitely with how much she enjoyed being a mom and how much she loved her family... I don't think she would have missed that event if she were invited to it. Yeah. And that could have been the catalyst for them reporting her missing. Right.
1: That makes a lot of sense. You know, yes. I mean, somebody that's a mom like that probably wouldn't want to miss Mother's Day.
0: Exactly. Even if she's not currently with her kids, it doesn't matter. If she's still their mom.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so, and remember, her oldest son is an adult now, so he can do whatever he wants. That's true. So they start to try to contact her and they're calling her and they're doing everything they can to get in touch with her. And she is just not answering. She's dropped off the face of the planet. So on around May 25th, her mom, Jenny, reported her missing to the police. And at this point, they realized it's been at least a month since anyone has seen Alina. At that time, her family had high hopes that they would find her. I mean, why would you expect something went wrong, right? Exactly. Exactly. And maybe she was really depressed. I mean, she didn't have her kids with her. I know from the Facebook post that she was posting around that time on other people's walls that she was kind of upset about the situation and was just trying to figure out a way to get them back. So I could see maybe they thought perhaps she's depressed about this. Maybe that's why she's not talking to us. They certainly thought that she would be coming home. And they started sharing all of her information on Facebook. They started contacting the news media. The police also went to the media and they got the word out that she was missing and that people were looking for her. Meanwhile, police started their investigation into her disappearance and tracked her last public sighting to a gas station near Central Street in Red Bank on April 18th. However, surveillance footage was unable to show where she went after that. Police were only able to find that she went to a home in a city called South Congaree, which is located near Columbia. South Congaree is a small town with only about 2,500 residents. And from the information about it, demographics wise, it appears to be a working class community that also has some really lovely natural scenery. I believe that it's got some kind of large park that people visit. There's definitely a South Congaree preserve of some sort. And I believe it is close by this town.
1: Oh, that sounds really nice.
0: Yeah, it does. Except for that it seems also a little bit shady with some of this. Oh, well, um, yeah.
1: I mean. Because
0: um, as you may think about with some of our other stories with large wooded areas, um, it's a nice place for people to put scary things.
1: That's true. I mean, like, I guess I like the outdoors and nature, you know, so it sounds nice. But then yeah, there, I do there, too. there are people who like to ruin it with, you know, murder and and, I know. and crimes and stuff.
0: I try not to do murders that actually take place in parks just because we like to go hiking. And I don't want to be scaring the crap out of myself while we're out walking around. (laughs) I'm already so suspicious. I do not need to add on to the suspicions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So they're looking for her. And then on June 15th, so not quite one month later, a tipster called with information that could break the case. They claimed to know who'd made Alina disappear. The tipster gave the name of 37 year old Lee Anthony Corley, who goes by Tony. This wasn't Corley's first brush with the law. Records show he was arrested for domestic violence in 2014 and 2015. The 2015 charge was for domestic violence of a high or aggravated nature and, get this, kidnapping.
1: That's a red flag.
0: A huge red flag. And I did double check. I found these records separately from all of the articles about this particular disappearance. And it was him. It has his picture and everything. And I was just floored. Because I was trying to look into the crime to find out more information about what he's doing prison-wise or what other crimes he may have committed. Or just to see if I could find more articles about the murder with his name in it. But I ended up finding these arrest records for domestic violence. Wow. Now, keep in mind that these two are not dating. Alina is not dating this Tony guy, Tony Corley. But she did go to his house.
1: Hmm, that's interesting.
0: Yes, and while investigating Corley, police discovered that Alina had been allegedly staying in his home on McDonald Avenue in South Congaree during the month of April, shortly before she disappeared. So, police needed to figure out if Alina could be still at the house, or, if something happened to her, maybe her body was at the house, and they had to go check this out.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a lead you have yeah. to follow up on.
0: But, based on sources, it appears that when they went to go check this out, not only did they not find Alina, but they didn't find Corley either. oh Yeah, because it took them a little while longer before they were able to question him. But, police wouldn't have to wait for Corley to show them where to find Alina's body, because... A passerby came across a trash can holding human remains encased in concrete. What? On June 16th,
1: 2017. Wait, wait, so they're encased in concrete in the trash can? in the trash can. Wow, that's a red flag.
0: That is a red flag. Jesus.
1: Who does that?
0: A person that's crazy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Definitely.
0: I also found it really weird that the tipster comes in on the 15th about this guy And then the human remains are found on the 16th, the very next day. Yeah. Now, you might be thinking, yay, they found Alina. That was really fast. Except that that's not quite exactly what happened. The person who found the remains in the trash can was actually out there looking for a completely separate missing person. What?
1: There's more than one thing going on?
0: Yeah. So this passerby is a family member of a man who went missing in the woods a year before Elena disappeared from Corley's house. This man's name was Taylor Devin Johnson. He was 22 and he had been last seen in the wooded area near Pond Branch Road. And this last sighting of him was on May 31st, 2016. So almost a full year before Elena disappeared from Corley's house. And at that time, since it was coming up on the year anniversary, or since it, the year anniversary had just passed, people were out in the woods looking for him because they were still hoping to find some sign of what had happened. Yeah. Yeah. So when this person comes across the trash can with the remains... They're thinking this might be Taylor.
1: Right, of course.
0: Yeah, and so the police don't know if it is Taylor or if it could possibly be Elena, who they know is missing now and may be dead based on what this tipster told them. The Odd Entity Podcast is your bi-weekly foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. Join host Janine Mercer as she leads you down the twisted pathways of history and tackles tales of the paranormal, weird historical people and practices, and so much more. The Odd Entity Podcast, a proud member of the Moth Media Network, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Odd Pod and is available wherever you binge your podcasts. Since authorities initially weren't sure who the body belonged to, they sent it off to the crime lab for analysis and waited while the forensic analyst figured out who it belonged to. Meanwhile, they searched for Corley. On June 21st, 2017, authorities finally found Corley. When they interviewed him, He admitted that Elena had been staying in his home in April, but he denied the allegations of murder and claimed that he had no knowledge of any foul play. Instead, he claimed Elena was alive and well. Okay. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Tony Corley, if she is alive and well, then why does she disappear?
1: Right, and where the hell is she?
0: Yes, well, he had a convenient reason. He says that she had moved to Florida.
1: No, come on now. Like, no yeah. one's going to buy that, right?
0: Of course. I mean, think about it, though, how ridiculous that is. Yeah. I mean, who just abandons their entire family and all of their kids, especially when their entire identity is built off of being a good mom? Yep. And then they just leave and, and move to, to Florida.
1: If, especially Florida.
0: Yeah. Just okay. being.
1: I'm just being real.
0: Florida of all places. Of
1: all places. That's where
0: Aaron draws the line. Florida bullshit.
1: Yeah, like that's just the kind of place that you that that's like what you say when you're making up a place when you've murdered someone. It's I, just Florida. It's just Florida. It's, it's like the catch-all. If you it's can't think, if you can't think of a better place, right? They went to Florida. They went to
0: Florida. Everyone we, just goes to Florida yeah. when they it, disappear,
1: right? Because especially because if they can't find them in Florida, they'll just pick. Well, maybe they got ate by an, by an alligator
0: oh yeah you know convenience of alligator eating
1: exactly you know it's like this convenient mm. excuse that no one should ever believe like if somebody tells you that a random missing person went to florida they definitely did the murder mm. right i mean okay. they definitely did that's that's my All professional right. opinion
0: your professional opinion as a true crime podcaster that's right is that florida is where people say that someone they killed went that's in exa- order to cover up murder.
1: That's exactly correct, yes. <laughs> okay, well, we'll have to see. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, police did have reason to suspect that he was lying because as they continued investigating Corley and questioned people close to him, they found friends of both Elena and Corley who gave a different account of what happened. They said that Corley was spinning tales of murder. He claimed to have strangled Elena in his home While he was talking to his friends.
1: Really? Now that sounds more believable.
0: Yeah, so the question is, is he telling the truth now, or was he telling the truth then? Well, police were sure that they knew, because using dental records, forensic experts confirmed that the body in the barrel belonged to Alina, so there's no way she could be in Florida. Also, I want to tell you what happened to Taylor before we move on. As you're probably wondering, as I was... Okay, so they found out that the body is Alina. What happened to Taylor Johnson? Well, unfortunately, his family had to wait several more years to find out, but they did find his body. Hunters came across Johnson's remains on February 15th, 2020, four years after his disappearance. Authorities did not release a cause of death, and I'm not 100% sure why. In the initial reportings on the finding of his remains, The cause of death was undetermined at that time, but that more information would be released. But I scoured the internet and it doesn't appear that information was released. It's possible that too much time had passed, but I also wonder if maybe the cause of death just wasn't foul play and they didn't want to share it because the family wasn't comfortable with that.
1: Could be. Which is a good choice.
0: I mean, they shouldn't be broadcasting it if it's something more personal. Yeah. So, he was eventually found, though, four years after he disappeared. So, the police know for sure that the body in the trash can belongs to Elena, and officers arrested Corley on June 23rd, 2017. At the same time, they took his girlfriend, Harriet Coleman, who goes by Haley, into custody as well. Now, reports differ on how old the girlfriend is. I wanted to tell you her age. Some reports say 37, but I did find an arrest record for her as well that indicated she was only 27. So it's possible that she's much younger than them. Interesting. Yes. Based on witness testimony, Haley was involved in cleaning up Elena's murder. And so that's why they arrested her. Makes sense. Now, under questioning, Haley admitted to helping Corley hide his crime. And so she pretty much told them exactly what happened. And... Throughout all the investigation and with Haley's interrogation, investigators believe that they were able to piece together the truth of what happened to Elena. Elena went to Corley's home after leaving the gas station on April 18th. She may have been staying with him at the time, but to be clear, they were not dating. They were just friends. It's unclear why, but Corley attacked Elena shortly after she arrived, sometime between April 18th, in April 21st, but Lexington County Sheriff Jay Coon specified that she wasn't seen after April 18th. So, it's possible that that was the day that she was killed. Now, based on his record for domestic violence, it's clear that Corley has an anger problem. So, maybe that's why he attacked her. Regardless, we know that he grabbed onto Elena and choked her, strangling the life out of her. When he had finished with this, he called someone he could trust to help him get rid of the body, his girlfriend, Haley Coleman. Coleman arrived at the house soon after the murder, and instead of calling the police, she decided to help Corley hide his crime. Coleman helped Corley carry Elena's body out of his home. They brought her to another house, which was located on Cecil Lane near Redbank. It's unclear who that home belonged to, but once they were there, The pair laid out Elena's body in the yard of the home. Then they lit her on fire.
1: Dude, that's not cool.
0: Yeah, I don't know why they lit her on fire. I'm not sure if they were hoping to cremate her and maybe thinking the body would turn to ash or if they did it to try to get rid of evidence. That part was not provided to the public. Yeah. So I'm not sure why they did that. It's horrible. I don't know. I get the impression that he was just hoping the body would just go away.
1: Yeah, it sounds like maybe they thought they could like destroy the body, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really work out. It doesn't work that way.
0: When the flames fizzled out, Corley and Coleman transferred her remains into a trash can and poured about two hundred pounds of cement over her body to conceal the crime. When the cement hardened, they drove the trash can out to Old Two Notch Road. And along a dirt path, they dumped the trash can in an isolated, wooded area. They assumed it wouldn't be found, or at least not for a while. After the murder, Corley tried to go back to his life like nothing happened. He didn't care that he stole a life, that he stole a family member. He didn't care about the kids who lost their mother. He just went on. It took almost three years for Corley's case to go to trial, which is just insane.
1: Yeah, I wonder why that is.
0: Yeah, I know that justice goes slowly, but it did seem kind of excessive. And since I did that Facebook deep dive, I know that her family had been really stressed about it because they posted a, a lot about around the time, especially the trial, about how it felt like justice was taking forever. And they were really scared that the jury would acquit or like not fully punish him for Elena's murder. And it was a very emotional thing that they went through.
1: Yeah, understandably so.
0: I feel like it would be so, so hard to lose someone like that and then have to wait so long to watch them face trial for it. Yes. Well, he finally went on trial for Elena's murder on January 27th, 2020. And after listening to days of testimony, the jury took just one hour to deliberate. They found Corley guilty of murder, desecration of human remains, and conspiracy. In February 2020... Judge Stephen John sentenced Corley to life in prison with no possibility of parole. He was 39 years old at the time. I did want to note that he made it in right under COVID, <laughs> so he went to jail like right as COVID was starting, which probably sucked.
1: Probably, I'm not like
0: alpha sorry for him because he's a kind of an asshole, but yeah. I'm not. I also thought that was interesting it is. and I was really kind of happy for them that they got this trial done just because I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to have already waited three years to have your trial come up and then have it be delayed for a year or two because of COVID.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I just don't even know if I can handle that.
1: That would be very stressful. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Okay. So he gets sent to prison and he is appealing his sentence from the Kirkland Correctional Institution. And since this just happened recently, no decision has been made yet on the appeal as of this writing. Meanwhile, Coleman, the girlfriend is still awaiting trial as of June 10th, 2021. She faces charges of destruction or desecration of human remains and accessory after the fact to a felony. She received an $80,000 bond, but appears to be awaiting trial in jail based on her jail records. And we will keep you updated on the outcome of her trial when it eventually happens. Now, Coleman was supposed to go on trial after Corley. I'm assuming it's because if they did not get a conviction in the Corley trial, it would be harder to convict Coleman. Or it may have also been because Coleman was supposed to testify in the Corley trial and they didn't want her to go to trial first because then she might have less of an incentive to testify. That was not specified in reports about this crime and why they decided to do her trial second. Yeah. I kind of get it, though. I was a little bit wondering why she didn't just try to plead guilty. I mean, she did confess.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's weird.
0: Yeah, she confessed to helping him cover up the the crime, which is what she's accused of. So I had questions about that because they also had those witnesses that said that he talked about killing Elena and talked about what they did to cover up the crime. Yeah. But I'm wondering if she's planning to argue that she was afraid of him. Because we know that he can be violent and he has a history of domestic violence based on his arrest records. So maybe her legal team is thinking that they will plead that she was afraid of him.
1: That makes sense. I could see that. Yeah.
0: At first, I was not super jazzed up about that thought. But at the same time, I kind of get it. I mean, he does seem like such a violent person. And if you know that he already murdered someone, I feel like if he called her and said, hey, girl, come over here. I I murdered someone. Come help me find, come help me cover up the body then definitely she should call the police and be like, my boyfriend called me. He has a body at his house. Help. Yeah. But if he called her over and said, hey, girl, come over. I miss you. And then when she got there, he's like, Mm -hmm. this is what we're doing. I have to cover up this murder. Then it would be a lot harder to not say anything. Yeah. And I feel like having researched a lot of true crime cases... One thing that's difficult is that after these people are forced to like to participate in the cover up, it's a lot harder for them to get sympathy because people don't believe them. And so, my reaction is that oh, if you went to your boyfriend's house, you saw that he murdered someone, you were genuinely afraid for your life, so you helped him move this body, as soon as you're away from him, you should call the police and say, "Oh my god, my boyfriend killed someone. He made me cover up the crime. Help, I'll tell you where the body is. Please help, I'm scared." I, I feel like that's what my gut says to do. At the same time, what are the chances that the police are actually going to be like, oh my God, you poor thing. You were forced into doing this. We need to help you instead of, of just arresting you too. Exactly. And I think that's what makes it so hard. And a lot of times these people do make sure that you do part of it so they can say, oh, well, she she's the one who put the gasoline on it or she's the one who flicked the match mm. or she's the one that mixed up the concrete, whatever it is. Yep. In order to make you be a part of it so that you're less likely to tell. Exactly. Plus, she has the fear part. That, too. I don't know. Obviously, this is terrible, and Elena did not deserve to die, and I wish that she would not have helped desecrate this body. But So, it's hard to know whose side, in terms of whether or not she was coerced or not yeah. to come down on.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know what happened. I'm just wondering sure.
0: if that's her plan, though. Yeah. We shall see, and we will update you if this comes to fruition. I'm wondering if her case is just going to quietly go away because at this point, if she has not bailed out, she would have been sitting in jail for about four years. And that's what her inmate records show. I don't know if those are accurate or not. But if they are accurate, I'm not sure how much time she would really get for helping as an accessory. So, and especially considering that her trial would have been postponed because of COVID because his trial ended in February 2020. Yeah. So... At this point, it might just be something where they give her a plea deal so she gets out.
1: Yeah, with time served or something like that. Yeah,
0: it depends. We'll have to see, though. Maybe it'll be reported on. Meanwhile, friends and family remember Elena as a loving daughter, sister, and mother. And after her death, Elena's daughter, Isabella, went to live with her aunt and uncle. Her oldest sons are adults now, and it's unclear who has custody of her younger son, Blaine. I believe it's Blaine's biological father and or his family. But I could be wrong about that. But it appeared that's who was fighting for custody in the first place. If you recall, he was in someone else's custody at the beginning of 2017. So I think that's where he is, but I cannot confirm that. In a weird piece of lore for this case, while I was in my Facebook deep dive, I saw that Elena's mother shared an article on September 30th, 2016, entitled... Seven things I've learned since the loss of my child. Now, keep in mind, this was 2016.
1: Yeah, before... It
0: was, yeah, almost a year before Elena went missing. And she captioned it to help us understand parents who have lost a child. And that is so sad and so foreboding. Life is weird and sometimes depressing. And it really just, like, almost made my heart stop for a moment when I saw that. Just randomly, I was trying to look for any kind of post where they told us more about what the family liked to do together or something that I could put in here. Yeah. I just thought that was heartbreaking.
1: That's really tragic.
0: Yeah. And also in a second piece of lore that nobody asked for, the missing person, Taylor Devin Johnson, that died in the woods before Alina was put there. When I was trying to figure out what happened to him, I found that there was a guy named Devin Taylor Johnson who died in a car accident at like a really young age. And I just thought that was weird too because they have almost the same name. Yeah. Apparently, I'm just <laughs>
1: <That> <laughs> look is at weird. these
0: coincidences.
1: That is a very weird coincidence. It's
0: crazy. Anyway, life is crazy and sometimes just really bad, but sometimes good. So yep. hopefully, only the good stuff happens to you all this weekend. Um, if you if you enjoy listening to Bad Acts, please rate, subscribe, and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts. I really am trying to get our little stars going over there. You can also support the show and get extra content by joining our Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com backslash pod. You can also buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com backslash pod. Follow us on social media at badaxpod. I post more, more often on Instagram. This last two weeks, I have not been doing the best job at posting as much content as usual. We just had a really busy few weeks over here. And I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. But I have also been posting more on our Twitter and our Facebook. So if you prefer to use those uh, platforms, please do join us there. You can email us your comments, feedback, or case suggestions at badaxpod at gmail.com. And Aaron is going to tell you all about our website.
1: We have an amazing website that you should definitely visit. It is Uh Please come and visit and say hello.
0: There's a picture of a scary tree that That, you can look at.
1: That is very true.
0: Yes, and I took that picture whilst on one of our hikes. That's true. Yes, and so you can get a glimpse into the scary tree excitement that we have participated in.
1: That's correct. And
0: we were both successfully not statistics on the hike. We did not become on our own podcast.
1: We did not get murdered.
0: Yes, so great great job us for that. Hello, yes. Yes, 10 points to Gryffindor. Right. <laughs> Actually, Aaron's not a Gryffindor, so I don't know.
1: Uh, that's true.
0: I'm not going to get on Harry Potter. I'm not, <laughs> not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. All right, people. We will see you very soon. Thank you for listening and have amazing weeks. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.